Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Father, we thank you for every person, Lord, in this gathering today. Lord, whatever that looks like, wherever we are, we thank you. And God, we pray, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. And I just pray that, Lord, our eyes would be seeing things maybe we haven't seen before. Our hearts would be receptive to the things you want to get done. And that you, God, would do a work that can, is only possible with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in the room, why don't you take a seat and let's get, let's get ready. Um, let me start with a question as we move into this series, uh, week two. What is the paradigm you go about life with? What is it? Could you articulate? What's the, what's the paradigm you go about life with? Everybody has one. And it, it, even if you're un, unaware of it, you, you have one. And, and it affects almost everything. It, it, all of life is affected by the paradigm that we live with. Um, now, when I think of paradigm, I th- think of it like this. Our paradigm is powerful. It influences and impacts everything, or almost everything. But when I think of it as a definition, I think of it I think of the framework and filter for how we go about life. The framework and the filter for how we go about life. Our paradigm is informed by what we believe, the desires we have, the values we have, uh, and it influences and is influenced by, uh, and sorry, it influences and is influenced by the way we see, the way we think, and the way we act. Paradigm, how we go about life. And for a U revolution to go on, that's what this series is about. For a U revolution to go on in us, there is a paradigm shift that needs to take place. Maybe in you today it's taken place and, and we'll come to that. We, we would find everybody that is part of this message today will find themselves in one of two places. Either there is a paradigm repositioning that needs to take place from the paradigm that is to the paradigm that God would call us to, or there's a paradigm redefining to take place. And, and that is that the, the, the paradigm we're talking of has already happened, but there's a refining process to go on in our lives. And no matter where we're at, no matter what we're up to, no matter what stage of life, we'll find ourselves in one or the other place today. It's a paradigm shift that God calls every person to. And if I'm a believer in Jesus, he especially calls us to it, to live with this paradigm shift going on in our life that a U revolution builds on. Um, Really more than that, it's the kind of paradigm shift that he calls every believer just to live with. A paradigm and a paradigm shift. So first, a 30-second recap that sets up today. Last week, we talked about, set up the idea of a U revolution. It's like this. It's it's creating a future reality that's barely recognisable with a previous state. That's, That's how we think of it. There's a Future reality that is barely recognisable with its previous state. We're talking about that personally. We're talking about our lives. I think God is a God, when you read Scripture, he, He's not a God, the God who tinkers around the edges. He's a God who revolutionises from the inside out. He wants to uh, really do a work that leaves us barely recognisable with that past uh, in a future that He has planned for us. It's like this. It's powerfully transforming who we're becoming. It's profoundly reshaping what we're about and it's setting in motion this kind of life that can only be lived with God. It's 
powerfully transforming who we're becoming, who we become. It's profoundly shaping what we're about and it's setting in motion the kind of life that only can be lived with God. There's a life that can only be lived with God and that's the life he calls every human to. And, and to not come to the place where I live that out is to miss a point of why I even have breath. God calls you and I to a life that he has planned before time began. And so uh, as we think about last week, we talked about the big, thi- the big thing that stands in the way of our new revolution. And that big thing is this. I called it the I-God phenomenon. Stands in the way of your new revolution, my new revolution. And we could, I, I, if you haven't been part of the message, I'd love you to go and listen to it. But really, the I-God phenomenon comes out of the idea of self-interested living, the God of our age. And so that's the one thing that stands in the way. And then we talked about the one thing that sets up a new revolution, and that is this. It's surrender. It's surrender. It's all in with Jesus. That's it. That's what he calls every believer to. Nothing short of that. He calls every believer in him to live surrendered, to live um, I used an image last week of all in with Jesus. That, that's why baptism is so important because it, baptism says it, it's not just a religious um, practice it's, it, to make us feel good. It's a statement. It's an act of obedience and statement to say, the old life when I go under the waters is dead. It's dead and buried. And when I come up, I am come up resurrected for a new life that God now infills me, that God now empowers me and the life I live in this body, I live to Jesus Christ who is Lord. That's the transformation that is meant to go on in the heart and the life of a believer. And to live short of that is to miss out on God's very best, his intention in this life and his eternal plan for the next. And that's what he would want for you and that's what he would want for me. Oh, that that would go on. The foundation of everything that follows in this series is on the on the foundation of Jesus Christ, crucified for sins, resurrected from the grave, us putting our trust in him and saying, I'm all in with Jesus. I surrender all. So that's, a, that's, that's that. Let's move on to week two. And let me set this up. Let's build on that today with the kind of paradigm where we'll go about life. So again, let me bring you back to the question. What, what is the paradigm you go about life with? It's just an honest Moment of reflection. What is it? What is the paradigm you go about life with? Um, we're, we're in uh, the US as a family uh, for all of December, um, and, and it was an incredible time. But one of the things that's a challenge, obviously, is we drive on the opposite side of the road to those in the States. And, and uh, for those of you who don't know me so well, I'm, I am, um, you know, there's a term we use, it's called blonde. I'm blonde in the sense that I'm a, I am a bit, um, ditzy is the wrong word. I don't think I'm ditzy. Um, but, you know, I just, I just forget stuff. I miss stuff. I'll literally, most days, I'll be driving to wherever it is. And if Bron's with me, she'll go, uh, Darren, are you, are, you, are you meant to take the next turn? And I'll go, oh, yeah, I'm, yes, yes, I'm going there. Or I'll drive across town and and um, I, literally the other day, I was meant to be picking Bron up from somewhere across town. And I just drove here, got out to my office, saw my text. I went, oh, no. And so it ran out, went across there. I thought, I think I've covered it. I think I'm all right. And she said, you forgot me, didn't you? I'm a bit blonde. And so when I was in the US, I thought, if I don't work out how to drive 
on American roads, we're going to be in trouble. A jet lag, my blondness, uh, just my, you know, my mind is a little bit absent sometimes on focus. And so I, I come up with this, if in doubt, I'm just going to take charge. As I'm driving along, if in doubt, I'm going to take charge. And so that's what I did. Every time there was a situation where I found myself going the wrong way, I just go, okay, well, I'm going to take charge and everyone else has got to adjust around me. And that's what they did. Americans were very polite. They just, I'd take charge, go, right, I'm in trouble. I'd do what I needed to do, whatever I needed to head, and they would just adjust around me. And, and this happened multiple times on multiple occasions. And, and I just, that each time I go, right, okay, in doubt, take charge. What do I need to do? Bang. Now, I'm not saying you should do that at all. You should obey the road rules. It wasn't that I was trying to disobey the road rules. I was just trying to come up with the best paradigm I could so that I didn't have an accident, and then the cars fell wherever they did. So that's what I did. I had a paradigm for the way I drove in the United States on the opposite side of the road. And in the same way that I had a paradigm that clicked in, I went, if in doubt, take charge. You and I, whether knowingly or deliberately, uh, unknowingly or deliberately, have a paradigm for life that we live by. We already have it. And some people's paradigm is, you know, it's what's in it for me. You've all met that person, right? If you're next to them, nudge them. Don't nudge them. Don't nudge them. Because if it's about them, they'll be offended by that, won't they? So don't do that. They're not next to you. It's not your spouse. It's not your friend. But everybody has a paradigm for life. And some people's paradigm is, it's just about them. It's... Um, What's in it for me? And if my paradigm is what it's in it for me, it starts to um, shape the way I think and the way I see and the way I act and what I'm going, how I go about life and what I'm going after in life, and, and, and it'll start to affect things, everything. If it's about me, it'll start to affect my relationships, and it'll affect the way I go about work, and it'll affect the way I see the world, it'll affect the way I relationally engage. If it's about me and you offend me, God help you. When my paradigm is it's about me, for, for, for other people, their paradigm is, I don't want to be rich, I just want to be comfortable. I don't want to be rich, I just want to be comfortable. And I've met lots of Aussies who would say, that, for them, that's their aim. They, they don't want to be rich, maybe because they can't get there, but they do want to be comfortable. And uh, in itself, it seems like a good idea. I want to be comfortable, personally. Uh, I, I want to be comfortable. In fact, the truth is that my life is comfortable. It's funny how you get comfortable and want to be more comfortable, right? It's just so, but, but if your paradigm for life is, I just want to be comfortable, don't want to be rich, just want to be comfortable until you see the rich and you are comfortable. But it affects the way I see, it affects the way I think, it affects the way I act, it affects the way I go about life, it affects the way I go, or what I go after in life. I think when... I don't want to be rich, but I do want to be comfortable. I, my experience is when that is people's bottom line, as I can work it out, their paradigm, that actually what it does, it, one of the things it would do is it would limit their generosity towards the poor like we talked about before. Because you, you, your priority, uh, you, people will say, yeah, I care about the poor, but if this is my paradigm and then those two things come under tension, which one gets sacrificed? My paradigm or this? It's this. Paradigm is powerful. Some people's paradigm is, for them, it's all about family. And I think God is all about family. And God loves family. God calls the church a family. He says that to do the job that I do, for example, that 
Uh, I need to be good at, you know, being the father in my family, or if I'm not good at that, I can't lead a church. God values family. He's the one who made family. And so God values family, but there's a paradigm that's all about family that will do anything or almost anything for their family, but as a result, they do almost zero for anybody else because it's all about family. And that's a powerful, powerful paradigm. And yet, all these paradigms are shaping all of life. And I wonder what yours is. What's your paradigm? Here, let me give you some questions as we set this up that help us clarify our current paradigm, what, what, what we're truly about. Uh, because I reckon if you're a seasoned believer, you, you could articulate the paradigm I'm about to bring us to, but I want us to just put it under some tension. And this is really helpful. This really helps me see where I'm really at in terms of do I need a repositioning or do I just need a, there's a refining to go on where I'm really at because our paradigm sets us up at... Um, it is, the, it is the framework and the filter on which a new revolution can build. So here are some questions as it relates to what my paradigm really is. Number one, what, what do I talk about? What do I talk about and how do I talk about it? Um, what, what does that reveal about my paradigm for life? Um, who, and, who and what do I think on regularly? What, what is that for you? What is that for me? What... what, what what takes up my spare moments of thought? What dominates my thinking? That, that, that gives me an idea as to what's important and, and maybe what my filter is as it relates to my paradigm. And what do I give my time to? It tells me a whole lot about my, my paradigm. It tells you a whole lot about your paradigm. Who and what do you give your time to? Um, what, what do I give my energy to? Loosely, uh, sorry, very tightly tightly connected. What do you give your energy to? What is it? Um, here's, I think this is really helpful. Uh, I think it's revealing. I think it, it, it strips it back. What does my margin get invested in? So margin being that which I absolutely need um, as it relates to what I, and the, and, and the gap between what I absolutely need and what all that I have. So in terms of time, you know, uh, you have seven days, 24 hours, that's how much time we have. What do I absolutely need to live, sleep, work, eat, you know? Uh, and then there's a gap in between of the free space. What, what, what do I do with my margin? When it comes to my finance, what do I do with my margin? You know, so, so you know, is, is my margin spent all on, you know, Foxtel? Probably not because they're going broke in Australia, but Foxtel, Netflix, Stan, whatever other platforms we've got at the moment. Is, is my margin absorbed in that and me, myself and mine? Or, or is my margin actually doing something beyond that because my paradigm is different to that? What, what's my margin doing? And, and I think these things, these questions, they're helpful. They're helpful to me. They're helpful to you. They're, they're revealing. And they just make the picture a whole lot clearer as it relates to the paradigm that we truly live with. So what would they be? What does it reveal in clarifying our paradigm. Jesus said this, listen to it, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourself treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Locate your treasure 
and I can tell you where your heart is at. Tell me what your life's about, and I can tell you the, the paradigm that you live with. What would you say your paradigm is? If it, our paradigm will determine what we put um, our effort into, what we put our energy into, and it's also revealing in what we've stockpiled. What's the stockpile over here reveal? It's revealing about my paradigm. What's your paradigm for life? Can you articulate it? And so with all that said, I want to, I want to bring you to the paradigm I believe that God would bring you to, bring us all to, the paradigm shift that our new revolution builds on. And, and then we're going to ask one of two things on the back of that. One, is there a repositioning that needs to go on? And, and if I can just speak to that just for a second, if there's a repositioning to go on, it's the best thing you can do with your life. You, you know, the risk is in a preach like this is to shut down to that idea, to agree with it in my mind, and to shut down to the idea. See, there, 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 there's this story in the Bible that Jesus told of, of two people. One built his house on the rock, he talks about. One builds his house on the sand. And, and both houses, both guys have the same idea. That, as far as we can tell in the parable, they, they're just building the same house. There's, there is no difference. And both houses look exactly the same until they come under the tension of the storms of life. And who knows that in COVID, the world is in a storm. It's the first time the world's been in a storm together since World War II. But the world is in a storm and we just got a little bit of drizzle on the outskirts in Tamworth and Armidale and Gara and Gunnedah. We got a bit of drizzle. There might be some heavier rains ahead, but we're not sure yet. But the reality is that they can build the same house and the house looks the same and the house stands the same and the house feels the same and the house lives the same until storm hits. And when storm hits, one of the house stands and one of the house is broken down and swept away. And that's why it's so important for us to come to the paradigm that God would have us live with because it's powerful. It's what a new revolution builds on. It's what a life builds on. It's what our God-appointed future builds on. And you know what? If it's not about us, it's what God's plan for humanity builds on. Paradigm shift. God calls us to. It's either a repositioning. So if it is, I ask you to just lean in today and let God do a work in you today. You'll be glad you did. It will revolutionize your life. And then for some of us, there's a refining because we've already had the repositioning go on in our life. So in Genesis 37, it was this like this. It's where the idea of paradigm was born for me a whole bunch of years ago now. I remember reading Genesis 37 and Joseph has a dream. Joseph has this dream that is given to him by God and he and he talks to his brothers about it, which, you know, is a bad move to tell your brothers that they're going to bow down to you. But he talks to his brothers about it. They're not real impressed about it, as you would not be. And, and, but he has a dream, and he tells them how they're going to bow down, and how his parents are going to bow down, and how basically all of what is is going to bow down to him, that he is going to be the preeminent figure on the face of the planet. And the dream is a whole lot about who he's going to be and what he's going to do. By the time we get to Genesis 45, listen to the way Joseph speaks as that dream that God had given him comes to pass. There's very little eye in the transformation. It's a paradigm shift that's gone on in him. Verse 5, Genesis 45. His brothers are standing before him. The vision or the dream is coming to pass in this moment. And it says this. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves. He says this to his brothers. For selling me here. 
I don't know how you get to that thought. They sold their brother into slavery. I think the scourge of the planet in this moment in time would be the, the industry of sex trafficking. For me, that is the greatest scourge on the planet. They sell their brother into slavery. He's there for, at this stage, um, at least 14 years. They, they disagree on it. could be a couple of decades. And his response is this. Now, don't you be distressed. And do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land and for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And Joseph has gone through a paradigm shift from I have a dream and you'll all bow down to me. Hey, it's not about me. It's about God. It's about his cause. And it's about the people he loves. And right there is a revolutionary paradigm shift that God would bring every person and especially every believer on the face of the planet to. Until that paradigm shift has taken place in our lives, there is not a you revolution can go on. But when that takes place in our lives, we have now laid a foundation for a you revolution to happen that sets up our God-appointed future that brings us into the place where we can know the life that God has always called us to. And so there's a shift that he would bring us all to. God, his cause, and the people he loves. I believe that's the paradigm that God would bring us to. And when we live out of this paradigm, the way we see and the way we think, what we go about, the way we go about it, the way we act relationally, the way we encounter challenges, the way we move through hardship, the way we do forgiveness, the way we live towards people, the way we handle criticism, the way we step into our God-appointed future, the way we deal with our finance, the way we gather with God's people, the way we reach people with the gospel around us. You can go on and on the way we help the poor, the way we pray for those with COVID, the way we deal with racism, the way we go about everything in life begins to change when the paradigm takes place that God has called us to, and that is that we would live for God, His cause, and the people that He loves. And that, my friends, is the paradigm shift that He would bring everybody to. And so if you, has your paradigm been repositioned today? Has it taken place? Has that happened for you? Or is this what's happened? The old paradigm is still in place. And this has been added here. God, cause, people are in the mix of your pre-existing paradigm. And it's not a shift that's taken place, but it's an addition to what existed before. That, that, that there, it, it, it's got more for us than that. So where, where am I at? Have I got that? Or has this taken place? Because that's what he would have go on because it will revolutionize, revolutionize our lives. So I want to leave you with that thought. If there's a repositioning to go on today, and I want to use the minutes we've got to talk about 
refining of our paradigm. So, so we're believing that that's already taken place, that that's already gone on. And so some thoughts from the life of Joseph. Number one, number one, as we talk about a paradigm refining, um, listen to this. As it turned out, God was with Joseph and things went very well for him. He ended up living in the home of the Egyptian, his Egyptian master. His master recognised that God was with him, saw God was working for good in everything he did. He became very fond of Joseph, and I'd put in brackets, I bet he did, and made him his personal aid. He put him in charge of all his personal affairs, turning everything over to him. From that moment on, God blessed the home of the Egyptian all because of Joseph. And the blessing of God spread over everything he owned. At home and in the fields, all the Potiphar had to concern himself with was eating three meals a day. And then it says, Joshua, uh, Joseph was strikingly handsome, and we're not sure why that made it into the line right there then. Number one, God defines our, refines our paradigm over time in the rhythm of the everyday. Uh, what's going on in our everyday lives is far more profound than we know as a follower of Jesus. When I think about my own life, most of the refining of paradigm has gone on in the rhythm of my everyday life. Um, I grew up being the captain of most things, growing up in um, sports and school stuff, and etc. Then I became a Christian at 21, and I became the youth pastor within a year. I was preaching in no time. I was a golden-haired boy of the leader of the then denomination I was in. He knew my granddad, so I was his golden child. I lived with my pastors. I was still the golden-haired boy. And then I moved to Cowra, got a new pastor, and my life flipped upside down. I was my pastor's least favourite person on the planet. He might have chose to love me, but there was not much in him that liked me. And all I can say, for the next five years, I went through a refining. I remember I, I literally worked for my pastor. I was a door knocker. Like, this has got to be one of the toughest gigs, right? And I was door knocking in Mudgee. On a day like today, it was rainy, it was cold. I was wet and cold. I was walking along this road. I can remember the scene vividly. And I thought, oh, I'm dumb. I'm not doing this. What am I doing? This is dumb. I'm not doing this. And in this moment of clarity, I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said this. No greater love has a man than this, that he lays down his life for his friend. And before I could think that was in my head, and I went, no, not that. And I realised, is this really my paradigm? Or is my paradigm something other that's over here and I've got that attached? And now it was under tension, under real pressure. And I just remember determining it was part of the refining. I remember determining, go, no, that is what a man does. He lays down his life for his friend in the service of King Jesus. I just determined, and that was refined, and that's what Joseph's got going on here. That was number one. Number two, my paradigm will be tested so that it can be trusted. Genesis 39 from verse 2. As time went on, Joseph's master's wife became infatuated with Joseph. Reminded me of Bronnie all over again, that level of infatuation anyway. Another story. And one day said, the rest is not Bronnie. Um, one day said, sleep with me. And Joseph wouldn't do it. He said to his master's wife, look, with me here, my master doesn't give a second thought to do anything that goes on here. He's put me in charge of everything he owns. He treats me as an equal. The only thing he hasn't turned over to me is you. 
You're his wife after all. How could I violate his trust and sin against God? It's important to get both of those in the frame. She pestered him day after day after day, but he stood his ground. He refused to go to bed with her. And one of those days he came to the house to do the work and none of his household servants happened to be there. She grabbed him by his cloak saying, sleep with me. He left his coat in her hand and ran out of the house. When she realized that he'd left his coat in her hand and run outside, she called to her house servants, look, this Hebrew shows up and before you know it, he's trying to seduce me. He tried to make love to me. I yelled as loud as I could with all my yelling and screaming. He left his coat beside me and he, and he ran outside. And, and Joseph is getting tested in a way that he doesn't know can be trusted later on. This is such a big moment he could never have known. Now, I know people make mistakes. Maybe you're sitting here today. This is not designed to make you feel guilty if something's gone on. But what I'm saying is when, when our paradigm is this, it will come to moments of tested that actually establish that we can be trusted. The reason that Joseph can be trusted with the moment that comes later with his brothers is that when he's tested here, he lives out of the paradigm of God, his cause and his people. It's a refining. Joseph is doing right, even though he's wronged, he does, continues to do right. And, and, and that's where paradigm is tested. See, if my paradigm here is I want to be a good person, I want to treat others how they treat me, that's fine. But what happens when you do right and someone wrongs you? What happens then? I'll tell you what happens. The Middle East. That's what happens. The Middle East. When, well, because that's just been what's going on. for the, But when our paradigm is this, God, His cause and the people He loves, when I do right and I am wronged, I am wronged, I continue to do right because it's about God it's about His cause and it's about the people on the other end of this. And that is incredibly powerful. Here's the next one. My paradigm is proven when I get forgotten. Joshua, uh, Joseph goes to prison. He does the right thing again. He gets forgotten, but he just keeps doing the right thing. And then here's where I want to land this today. And it's this. Paradigm positions me from a God-appointed future in how I leverage power. In Genesis 5, one, uh, 45 verses 1 to 3, his brothers stand before him. He could have said, I told you so. He could have said, we are done here, but he doesn't. He doesn't. What he does is he says, hey, hey, it was never about the dream for me. It was never about anything but you. It was about God, his cause and the people he loves. And, and Joseph establishes in power that this is his paradigm because he doesn't leverage it for his own end, but he leverages it for God's and theirs. And there, there something revolutionary can go on through anybody's life when God has that to work with in Jesus' name. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.